Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Welcome to the after party. It's time to change. You're just getting started. You can teach an old dog new ways and not just on Saturday. people. When I say people... I mean, beloved listeners, this is Anna David. You are listening to After Party Pod, which is part of the After Party group, which includes After Party Chat. And um, and so you should go to that website if you haven't been lately. And um, this week I have a ridiculous confession to make, and that is that this podcast is something, it's an interview I recorded probably over six months ago, and I somehow never posted and the reason for that is that I'm human and I make mistakes and it's just it's it's a terrible shame because it's an amazing guest and the reason we did it back then is it had to do with when his sober anniversary was and all this stuff and I feel I feel terrible but but you know better late than never is a cliche and I'm going to employ it now and say that at long last I bring you Craig Gass who's one of the funnier comedians out there. Um, you, you may know Craig from King of Queens. You may know him from Howard Stern, which he's been on a billion times. He does these ridiculously good impressions. Um, Gene Simmons. Um, uh, who, who else? Um, oh my God, just everybody. But the great thing about Gene Simmons, well, he gets into this, but he got to accuse Gene Simmons of being an imposter and pretending to be Ah, Gene Simmons. Okay, so there's that. And he's just he's just a hilarious, wonderful guy. And um, Craig, I'll have emailed you between now and, and when I post this, but I am so deeply sorry. Uh, but I'm thrilled to be able to bring this to listeners now because we have a lot more listeners now than we did six months ago. So... As they say in recovery, everything works the way it's supposed to. So with that, I bring you the very funny Craig Gass. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh my God. I think my copy has like blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Party animal. I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? hates me today. That's you, okay. Well, so, so you wanted to know about this podcast. Should we just go, get in there and ask about it? I, I liked how when I asked you to do this podcast, you, you fired back at me with like a bunch of questions. Just yeah. like, you know, I got to know some answers before I'm going to give it up this easily. Well, it's cool because it's a, a podcast about uh, being sober. It is. Well, it's about the journey. You know, uh, the key thing is also that I don't want it to be ever overly earnest. 
and uh, dull because I don't know about you, but I certainly thought before I uh, got into sobriety that my life would be overly earnest and dull and terrible. Really? Why? Sobriety? Yeah. I thought that sounded like, like I was just like, maybe, maybe, maybe it's a little bit better than dying, but probably not. Yeah, it was always like awkward. I mean, there was always signs in my life that like, all right, you probably can't handle this. And, really? Uh, and then, but I would see people who were sober and they'd go, well, that's just fucking weird. Weird. Yeah, really weird. Yeah. I remember a sober guy asked me out. I mean, I now know him. And I just, it blew my, what, I, was, I remember thinking, what do you do? You go to the beach? Like, what do you, literally, I had no idea what you would possibly do. And now that's how people think of us. Yeah, and um, there was this really dumb fear as a guy that. Yeah, that no girls would ever. I would never have sex again. Right. Because it always involved alcohol on yeah. some level. Yeah, for I'm both glad of you're us. talking about this. That's like not, this is not virgin topic on the show so to speak yeah it's and it's very um but fuck i can't tell you how many times like oh you're not allowed to swear on the show i'm, I'm kidding, sorry. kidding. <laughs> i can't tell you how many times i've been with a really attractive girl um that i was really into yeah at a bar yeah usually the comedy club because i'm a yeah, stand-up comedian yeah. and uh and i'm usually funny and um so i would invite girls to the comedy club where i can get cheap or free drinks yeah and we'd start drinking and i'd be like wow this is crazy i'm with this girl i really like her she would have seen you perform too so you're uh, already kind of in probably ideally probably yeah. yeah i mean it's you know and uh um, and then we'd have a good buzz going, and then the door would open up. There's a comedian friend of mine who would always say, every time this Coke dealer showed up, he would always go like, oh my God, my fucking heart just stopped. And I'm like, yeah, mine too. Like, I just, I would get so happy to see the Coke dealer. Oh, and then, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then I would go, hey, I'll be right back. And then I'd go hang out with the Coke dealer for a little bit. And I, it's embarrassing to tell you, I can't even count how many times I've come back. And she's gone. No, to the girl and told the girl, hey. Um, holy shit, I just realized I um, have to get up uh, tomorrow at like right. 5 a.m. So I need you to get out of here. So are you done with your drink? Well, go ahead and finish your drink. I'm going to walk into your car. I'm so sorry. I just I told you, I just realized this. I didn't even right. like, realize. So we're gonna, I'm going to make this up to you. And the girl's just staring at me like, what are you talking about? Right, right, right. I, got, I have to get up early in the morning. So I'm just realizing I can't even hang out with you. So let me just walk into your car. And I'll just get you. I'm so sorry. When's your next day off? Just tell me when your next day off is. And I'll just get you, you know, but let's and go. You're, and you're talking a mile a minute. Yeah. yeah. And I would take him to their car. Right. Give him a kiss. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry. So sorry. All right. Goodbye. And then go back to go hang out and do coke. I would actually prefer yeah. to hang out and get fucked That's up. That's so sad. Yeah. Pathetic. Every, I would say one out of every five times that I did that, the girl would come back like an hour later and I'd be jacked out of my mind she co- she was stalker chick no because like, she'd be like this is too weird I gotta just see what's going on and just see if right. he's still in the bar and right. I was right. and I was right. fucked up and not making any eye contact with her I don't mean to like encourage like dysfunctional behavior but it, especially in the past when it's too late to take my advice but why didn't you just look for girls who were cokeheads um because they bothered me <laughs> right <laughs> I like you didn't want to mix the two yeah, girls, I, girls that were cokeheads were like, wow, that girl's a cokehead. But right. I was too. Right, 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 right. It's kind of like a friend of mine who, my first friend who, when I was in high school, said, I'm going to rehab. I have a drug problem. I was like, really? Wow, that's weird. And it was, I'd never heard of that before. Yeah. And when he got out and relapsed, I was partying with him 
and really paying attention to how much he was doing. And I was like, wow, this guy is a drug addict. Like, I was right. like, but I was doing as much as he I, was. Isn't that funny? And I was completely judging him. Like, look, right. look at the way he's snorting those fucking lines. Like, he just <laughs> needs and And where's my line? And then I would, you know, and I was just so judgmental. And so, like, yeah, it's very funny. Part- I, can I say, I know I'm interviewing you, but I'm, you know, we've already acknowledged I'm terrible at my job. Look, that's at, right. look at the recording. Can I share a story that's so similar? Of course. I, I, one of my drug dealers towards the towards the end, I had a bunch of them, and this guy, Joey, and I'm sure it's not his real name, so not outing anybody. He was, he, oh, he was Italian, and he, like, lived with his, like... Joey Tavares, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You used him, too. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, Just throwing a name out there. And, um... And I remember one time, so you'd go over there, you'd buy it. Coke wasn't even very good. And he'd have like a little plate and he'd be like, oh, you want some or whatever? And who was I to be rude to a host? You know what I mean? So like I'd do some. And whoever else was there would do it too. And I remembered somehow this girl who was there told me that she had been in rehab. And I just was like, this is horrible. This girl was in rehab and she is doing cocaine. What is wrong with this girl? Not yeah. like I'm doing cocaine with a girl who is in rehab. Yeah. We're both doing cocaine. It's 11 a.m. We're both doing cocaine at this creepy man's apartment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyway. Girls always end up in creepy dudes' apartments. That's just kind of a given. You mean like doing drugs doing or in drugs general? In, no, doing drugs when it comes to drugs. I mean, it's okay for me to be in a creepy dude's apartment. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. To, You're safe in a creepy dude's apartment. I, I'm okay with uh, hanging out with a member of the Mexican mafia in a bathroom stall and right. just talking and snorting coke off of a like a giant like switchblade. Right. I'm okay with that. But, like some man's bl- bloody heart remains on Yeah, it. but I don't want you doing that. Um, I'll tell you something interesting. I only hung out with like... Um, with like gay dudes and some transsexuals who were all like 10 years younger than me. Like I, and I would buy the cocaine. I did it uh, so wrong. Like I, I didn't, uh, yeah, yeah. I was looking for girls like you. I was a sucker. I, and this is a horrible thing. I mean, I'm, I'm like respected by these listeners, but I'm going to tell you, I was the opposite of a coke whore. So few men would do coke around me towards the end that I would think, well, this, there was one guy, I was like, he'd do coke with me. And I was like, I should sleep with him. I mean, he's like willing to do my cocaine. <laughs> Literally. That is what I thought, you know. I mean, I owe him that much. He's not judging me. That's you know? amazing. I can't tell you, like, when I knew that I needed to stop, when I had hurt myself enough that I realized, okay, I can't do this anymore, and I'm gonna have to swallow some pride, and I really don't give a fuck what it takes. I'm gonna have to make a change. This, this, this cannot continue this way anymore. I was shocked at how easy it was for me to get rid of everyone. Um, hmm. Part of the reason for that is because I had a dual life. Oh, you did? Yeah, I had uh, people who I loved and who I cared about, who cared about me. And then I had a whole life. Up to derelicts. Of, yeah, of just crazy people, crazy women, crazy, you know, drug addict friends. And I never let the two mix. Because um, I just, I, I don't know, I just, I just never let the two mix. I heard somebody, a friend of mine in a meeting the other night saying um, that he actually had two phones. He had two cell phones. And so he just got rid of one cell phone. And like, that yeah. is a really smart way to become an addict and then get sober. Yeah. Well, it, it's, I didn't realize I had, um, that You'd I had divided my life yeah. so much that it was going to be easy. But that's always... I feel bad for people who make their whole life and, and their 
all their social circles about their drug addict friends. Yeah. And, that, and they kind of like, well, I don't really know anybody else. But that's why programs are so amazing in that way because as an adult you don't get that many opportunities to go and make a huge new group of friends mm-hmm. like in adulthood it's just weird like if i walked around this office and i was like hey i'm gonna do when i start hanging out all the time <laughs> i would be looked at as like a girl that feels bad for people and sleeps <laughs> with them fuck yeah let's go <laughs> no but like people would be like that's sad and, and weird but in programs you're actually not just allowed to do that you're encouraged to do that you know because a lot of people i think do come in having had all of their friends be party friends yeah and it's impressive. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. There are some fucked up people also. Oh, I'm are, not you know, saying they're not. Yeah. I, I remember uh, attempting. I had a heart attack 10 years ago. Um, I know that was kind of fucked up. No, but coincidentally, and we're coming up. Well, on your nine year anniversary. Uh, nine year anniversary, yeah. Okay. The heart attack was 11 years ago. And in two days from the date that we're recording this, yes. I'll have nine years sober. And um, I was dating this crazy, psychotic woman from Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, after my heart attack, uh, she convinced me to... I was sober for uh, a year and two weeks. And she would beg me... That's how fucked up she was. She would beg me to do coke with her. Right, right, right. Knowing that I had the heart attack. Yeah, and yeah. she would tell me, like, well, just do it in moderation like I do. And I'd go... Bitch, that's what I'm trying to tell you. I can't do anything in moderation. You don't understand. Right. So we ended up, um, after I got fucked up again, and we both realized that we're not good with drugs, we went to a meeting, and some dude just, like, came right... She's, you know, she's a model. She's, like, right. you know, that's she's psychotic, and she's a model. She's a crazy person. And right. So some dude came over right. and was just, like... Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah, man. You know, welcome to the meeting, man. Yeah, cool. Um, so, are you guys? Um, so, are you guys like together? <laughs> and I go, yeah. And he goes, uh, no, no. no I, I mean, like, I know you're here together at the meeting, but I mean, like, are you guys like, um, are you like together? And I go, yeah, we are. And he goes, no, I mean, like, I know that you're, like, and I go, yeah, we're. This is my. Gr-. And I, I got so fucking annoyed by that. That I left the meeting and I was like, fuck this, fuck this program, fuck these people. And I kept getting fucked up. That's <laughs> so interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's really. Which is why, you know, it's, you know, that like, and I, I feel like I, I, you know, people, there are people who rail against the program and, and they get confused and they think what one person did is somehow representative yes. of a program. Yes. And, and, you know, we can use it. I mean, I went before I was ready, and I just heard, all I heard were just crazy people, you know, ranting, whatever it was. And the exact same shares that I later heard and completely related to, um, you know, I, I, I basically, I didn't understand that, that there are crazy people everywhere. One in three people is mentally ill in walking around our society. You are just on Hollywood Boulevard where that goes up to, what, three and three? Yeah, probably. And, yeah, I get that. And um, uh, the one thing that I'm always worried about when I see people who are in trouble and they they go to meetings is when they tell me, um, fuck, man, uh, those meetings are so boring and they're so depressing. And I feel like, yeah, they're... Yes, there is some depressing shit being said, and yes, some of them just kind of go on, but there are some great meetings, too. You have to find the meeting that works for you. You have to, like, just keep looking because there are some great meetings. Some really, I've been to some meetings that have some great energy, and, you know, but you have to, you know, just listen. Um, I just feel like in every meeting, there's always, uh, the, the meetings where I've had to drag myself to go, 
uh, are have always been the meetings where I end up hearing something so profound after right. 30 minutes of like Jesus Christ like but I'll hear something really profound that'll be like wow that'll just that'll just nail me right where I live you know you know I, and I don't find them that boring I, I don't know I mean maybe my maybe I'm easily entertained um, <laughs> but seriously wow. seriously you know it's like a, whatever you know I, I think that getting sober in LA is the is the best you know I would start to go to meetings and I was like these are literally comedians that I'm people I would pay money to hear share things <laughs> and I'm hearing them share things that are profoundly changing my life yeah. so what's the problem but but I um, I have been to meetings that I have not always found to be I, I've managed to sort of stay semi-entertained this whole time yeah I mean I go I mean part of me uh, getting healthy was learning to swallow my pride and to just listen yeah yeah so I usually I uh, unless I have a real burning desire or unless it's a meeting where everybody has to speak I'll just listen See, and just kind of hang out and uh, and holy shit I mean um, when I hear people's uh, some people's circumstances that I mean I, I'm lucky to be doing something that I love to do <clears throat> and uh, something that uh, uh, I'm making a living I'm paying my, I've been paying my mom's bills for 13 years now and part of that was like one of the biggest reasons why I quit eventually was on the two-year anniversary of my heart attack I thought I'm taking care of my mom like I'm paying her bills and uh, and I keep circling around opportunities where I literally could take care of her for the rest of her life and why am I being this selfish and it was on the two-year anniversary of the heart attack that I just had a beer in my hand I was at a Steel Panther concert and I just threw the beer out and I was like I'm done and then uh, and I just uh, surrendered that's a that's a great moment. If you're lucky enough to actually hit the fucking lottery to where your mind opens up to that, yeah. it's hitting the fucking lottery because all of us have struggled with like, oh, this is hurting me, but let me figure out how I can do this. Yeah. Oh, this is killing me, but let me uh, just do this on my own terms. Oh, I'm, I'm losing everything, but I don't have to quit. I don't have to totally quit. If I just do it this way, right. I can just figure it out. And if you're lucky enough, it, it really is, after seeing how many people in my life have died. Yeah. The first year that I got clean, seven of my friends died. Of drug-related? Yeah, it was all comedians. Right. Four drug overdoses and three drinking and driving car accidents. And I remember the first one was, um, I heard somebody talking about a pink cloud in a meeting. And uh, after the meeting, I was like, hey, what's a pink cloud? And then I was like, oh, well... A pink cloud is kind of like new sobriety. You're just like floating on air. Everything's like perfect. You're just so glad to not be living the way you were living. And you think life is going to be perfect now. Right. And then eventually that cloud gets burst when you, yeah, when you realize, oh, uh, you know, I have to work at this. I have to, you know, and, but yeah, eventually it does burst. And within five minutes of being explained what a pink cloud was, which I was on. Yeah, it burst. I got a phone call that my first of my seven friends, mm. a comedian named Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, I remember ha- that. Had just died, and uh, um, so it was, it was. It was that pink cloud was gone pretty quickly. But um, um, if you're lucky enough to um, to really realize, um, I can't do this. I don't give a fuck what I have to do. This has to just, I have to just change. Just tell me what I need to do. I just, I feel like you're really, um, 
Because you seem to be in the, in the minority, those who really want to what stop. Do you think this, what do you think that is? Um, grace? Ego. Uh, no, but like, what, how does that actually happen to a brain? That this brain that is so committed to living a certain way and, you know, so ego-driven would suddenly have this moment. It's kind of like arguing with somebody for a long time until they point out something that they go, no, you've been doing this, and it hits you like, oh... And then you have to like stop your fierce like, fuck you, fuck you, and then go, okay, you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. And you, it takes a lot of you have to swallow a lot of pride and go, okay, you know what? I uh, I don't like uh, bleeding all over everything right. uh, through my nose, and right. I don't like uh, missing all my stuff, and I don't like um, that my mailbox is full all the time with people who are asking from I just want to know that you're okay oh right, just call right, me because right. I haven't heard from you right just let me like death is right. all around you right and everyone's like waiting for you to die and uh, right. and then you you know once you finally acknowledge like oh you know what yeah this is I'm dying so yeah so this heart attack was cocaine yeah involved I uh, I finally started making money and, uh, was this when you were on Stern? Yeah, on the Howard Stern show. And um, I talked about this on the Howard Stern show. And it was actually really kind of awkward because of all the weird shit I've talked about on the Howard Stern show. Sex or uh, whatever awkward situations I've been in, embarrassing moments that I've had uh, in front of other people that I shouldn't be embarrassing myself in front of. Talking about, because I had a great story about going to rehab, I, um, I had called a... Um, I had insurance for the first time mm -hmm. through the Screen Actors Guild, and I called up and said, uh, hey, um, I have a problem, and I need to do something about this. And they said, okay, um, sure, uh, we're going to put you through to mental health. Mental health said, all right, where are you at? What neighborhood are you? Where are you located at? I was in a really specific neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Is it in New York or LA? This was in Seattle at the time. Okay, okay. Yeah, I was in a really specific neighborhood, and this woman said, uh, okay, yeah, there's actually, you know what, there's one right down the road for you, and here's the number, give them a call. A rehab, not a rehab. rehab. Okay. So I call the rehab. As soon as the guy picks up the phone, I already know something about him right away, but it, it has nothing to do with the conversation, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I just need to know, what do I need to do? Yeah. And I confess all my sins to this guy. Yeah. I am brutally honest with him right. in a way that I never have been with anybody, and it's freeing. I'm telling him everything that I'm doing. I'm not hiding anymore. Right. And at the end of a 20-minute interview, he says, okay, well, I think we have everything covered. Um, one more question, Craig. You're a homosexual, right? And I was like, I'm a what? <laughs> he goes, are you oh, yeah. a homosexual? He was like called Pride Rehab or something. And I go, no. And he goes, okay. And I go, what does that have to do with anything? And he goes, well, you know we're a, a, a gay rehab. And I was like, you are? And he goes, didn't your insurance tell you? And I said, no, they didn't. And he goes, oh, they should. there should be a note with the yes. insurance companies and she's and, and the guy said hey but we're not gay and lesbian exclusive oh, right we're just gay and lesbian friendly so are you a homosexual and i said no and he said do you have a problem with homosexuals and i said no and he said okay we'll see you on monday and i checked into gay rehab you did so yeah. you went there it was the best fucking experience i ever had because i have never been around more sensitive people in my entire life and i needed that I was so fragile, and 
the toughest person in that rehab was this lumberjack chick from Oregon who had choked out her girlfriend in a in a blackout and now I, I just I really uh, needed that sensitivity and um, but I was so into it that I remember like uh, we have to do a group therapy it was outpatient yeah. so I had to be oh, there okay. three days a That's week what I did too. and then I had to go to two meetings on my own mm-hmm. um, and then come back and and I remember doing the um, uh, on one of my nights doing group therapy one of the guys in the meeting was like, I fucking hate going to straight meetings because every straight meeting is like, pussy, pussy, pussy. I get so much pussy, pussy, pussy. And I was like, I know, I hate that too. I don't want to talk about pussy. I'm here to get some help. <laughs> I was like totally into like the mentality of the group and like, you know, yeah, who cares about pussy at a time like this? I'm here to get some help. Like, yeah, it was, it was awesome. And, uh, but talking, that, that's you know, because there's a big thing. Like I've been writing about this lately. Gender-specific treatment is so much more effective for women, mostly. Absolutely. But that's basically what you got. Any girl who I talk to who says, well, like once a year, I'll write. So it's the only personal thing I say about myself on my Facebook pages or Twitter pages. Mm-hmm. Once a year, when I get another year, I say, look, five years ago, six years ago from today, seven years ago from today, I was really empty. Um, this is what I was feeling like, and just being honest, I I needed help. I got it. If you need help, love yourself and go get some help. Mm. And I put that out once a year, and I'll always end up with emails from people saying, um, "I'm addicted to heroin. I'm addicted to painkillers." And if it's a girl, I'll tell them, "Please go to women's meetings," because you might get lost and never end up getting help if you go to. You know, women yeah. are just, women should be going to women-only meetings because there will be guys trying to fuck up your sobriety. I know, I, I know that that is really important for certain people. I also know that I don't go to women's meetings now, and I, that would not have worked for me. Okay. I don't know why, I mean, um, you know, I think I needed, you know, for me, sobriety has been about sort of, uh, cracking away the things that I am an alcoholic about. And so if it was like men, certain men that were getting me to go to meetings, or even if it was sort of an addiction to attention I would get, that's what got me there. Hmm. And even if I was there for the wrong reasons, I would still hear the right things. Okay. Um, I mean, that, but, but I think that I think what's important is for people to know what works for them. True. I, I, it's, it's just advice that I will give to a girl that wants to go to meetings yeah. and say, if you're going to go, uh, I think this would be more helpful for you. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just, uh, I know that I've known women who kind of go off the beaten path because uh, they end up putting all their energy into a relationship that they made uh, briefly at meetings. Right. You know, and then they start getting into that. And listen, uh, I'm guilty of the same thing. I'll be at a meeting and I'll hear an attractive woman saying something amazing. I'll be like, oh, what an amazing woman. I right. love her. Right. Oh my God. She's magical. <laughs> but is that so bad? Uh, is, my, is my point. I mean, I get that everybody's different, but I. I mean, I, I also, I know plenty of women. I mean, most of the women that I know did it in, like, co-ed meetings and, and did it, it, you know, imperfectly and probably dated um, 
um, terrible people. You know, and I, I definitely did have people in the beginning who were, you know, the whole like trying to get you on your back before you're on your feet thing. Wow. Like, those, you ever heard that one? <laughs> no, that's you, you can, awesome. you know, you can, you're free to use it in your next post. I didn't, wow. I didn't originate. Wow. Um, but like, but they were so obvious and so gross yeah. that you just sort of, you, they didn't, they didn't really provide much of a, they weren't much of a problem. All right. Well, I don't. I mean, I think. I think you're. What you're saying is. Is to, this was just my experience. I well, think. but I think there are some women who are not as uh, self-aware sometimes when guys are uh, hitting on them. Some women just enjoy attention, and yeah. All right. So, but I, you know, yeah. I I just think the safest path uh, for women is to to go to women's only yeah. meetings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what my I was saying something about the Stern show and about... You told that story about going to gay rehab on Stern. Going to gay rehab. Oh, and then I got emails uh, from people saying, uh, hey, is that true? Or the next couple of interviews I started doing on the road, people would call in and say, hey, I heard you on the Howard Stern show a couple weeks ago, and, and what, was your, what was your problem that you had to go to rehab? And I'm like, uh, and I wasn't ready to talk about that to strangers. That kind of threw me off for a little bit. But, oh, really? Um, yeah, because I've been pretty private about it. I went through all these different stages of, and I think a lot of people do, where early on, I didn't know how to talk to other people about the fact that I didn't want to drink anymore or do drugs anymore. Drinking wasn't a problem. Every time I got drunk, I needed to have Coke. I right. had to have Coke. Right, right That was right. my problem. And so early on, when people would ask me, uh, hey, can I buy you a drink? I would just say, oh, I'm, I'm taking care of myself. It's cool. I'm just... I'm, no, you sure? Yeah, I'm taking care of it. I had all these like buzzwords. Taking care of myself. I'm taking care it's of myself. It's a weird thing to say. That's what, that's gonna act, like in, like inspire more questions than it is. Well, what's else. fucked up about it is because it I, implies the guy buying you the drink is not taking care of himself. True, and uh, I also was afraid of me uh, coming back around because I yeah. was an asshole to other people who said, "Oh, I'm not drinking," and they'd be like, "Why?" <laughs> what, and oh, I just don't drink. You don't drink. Why? What do you have a problem? Like I would actually, I was such an asshole. Oh my god, your karma is terrible. For yeah. That. Oh. Yeah, I would just, I would be blown away. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah, always yeah. floored by like, wait a minute, we're hanging out, having fun. Well, do you get that now from those people who like give you the eye? They're like, really, and they just ask a certain number of questions, and you know, they they're thinking about it. Yeah. They're threatened by it. You know, they're just they look at you in a strange way. Really? Yeah. You don't drink. Well, I used to be intimidated that it would happen, um, and now I'm in a place where I know very clearly that I have to care more about myself. Yeah. Than about what anyone thinks about me and me not drinking tonight. And it very rarely ever even is an issue for other people, but I could give a fuck when somebody says, like, how come? I'm like, because I'm not. Leave me alone. Jesus Christ. Get away from but me. Did you start saying, oh, because I'm an alcoholic and, you know. No, I just said, I just, I quit. I just said, uh, I quit. I mean, I'll tell them sometimes. I'll be like, ah, I've got a massive drug problem, so I can't. It's like, oh, right. what? Right. So that's a pretty honest thing to say to somebody, but um, I don't know. How many years do you have right now? Thirteen. I Thirteen. Thirteen. 
but I, I, I'm psychotically like in the other direction. I basically was doing outpatient treatment in LA, and I remember the first week I had to go meet someone at a bar that no longer exists in LA, and I remember going in and ordering a Diet Coke from the bartender and saying, you know, I need a Diet Coke because I have this terrible cocaine problem, and so I, I can't drink. And I mean, I was like three days sober, but I also before I got sober, I would tell people. I remember I went out, um, like I went out this guy that I dated. I, you know, you had to be a drug addict. That was a prerequisite for dating me. Wow. And I remember going out with this guy, like dinner, very nice dinner, and him going, you know, so what do you like to do? And I was just like, oh, you know, I, I do a lot of cocaine. <laughs> and, um, and, and I remember him, him going, oh, yeah, yeah, I do pain pills. And I was like, oh, good, this is going to work. Wow. Um, yeah. I this would is be, before you got sober. Yeah. I would, wow. I would be pretty open about it. He'd be like, yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem. Wow. Um, now, so... I'm curious how it started for you. When did you first uh, drink and do drugs? Uh, Alcohol and smoking pot was 14. Mm -hmm. The first time I did coke, I was 15, and that was it. It was like, oh, this is the best. Yeah. I was just, I was so, I just had the greatest, the single greatest conversation I've ever had in my life happened that night yeah, at 15 years old. Uh, yeah. It might have been 14, 15, but I did, then I continued to do a ton of coke for the next 20 years. Trying to have as good a conversation as you had that one night. Yeah, the, the next five to 10 years was uh, uh, social, a lot of coke, all night benders, talking and talking and talking and talking. Then I started becoming more and more paranoid and then it started becoming, um, all right, I got to get some Coke. And then uh, once I started doing some, I was like, okay, who can take me home? I need to go home. I got to go home. And I, just, I would just stay home and just do it all night. I needed yeah. to isolate. And then that became the ritual that I would actually look forward to. I would yeah. actually look forward to the end of the night, getting some Coke, going back to my hotel room, locking the door, and just staying behind closed doors and uh, and getting really fucking paranoid for the next yeah, like, eight, do? ten hours. What would you do for those eight to ten hours? I'd be watching television? I'd be watching TV and, uh, and thinking like, oh, this is awesome. Letterman's monologue just started. I got some coke. Oh, this is going to be awesome. And, and I would start just snorting lines and watching TV and, and it would just go by, you know, I mean, I'd have flights to catch in the morning and it was really weird. When I had that heart attack... Um, uh, you would ask me about the heart attack. Yeah, I, where were I'd you? Been, uh, I was I was actually visiting Seattle. I could afford Coke now, mm-hmm. so um, I would just buy tons of it. And I was up for several days, mm-hmm. and um, I couldn't breathe uh, after a few days. And were you by yourself? I was at a friend's house doing Coke uh, in a in his back room, locked the door, and just stayed back there. And and he. Um, it was about five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning, and I knocked on his door, and I was like, "Hey, man, uh, I got a problem. I can't breathe." And he took me to the hospital, and they uh, said we need um, uh, we need to get a cardiologist, uh, and they were like calling out for we need a cardiologist down here ASAP. And they said, "Why?" They said, "Because your enzyme levels are supposed to be this, and they're ten times that." And I said, "Okay, what does that mean?" They said, "You're having a heart attack," and and um, I had flown to Seattle to surprise some friends at a Christmas party that I used to go to every year. Mm-hmm. And um, I was going to surprise them because I could afford to come back mm-hmm. to visit everybody. And I ended up coming in a couple of days early so I could party first mm-hmm. and got really fucked up and uh, started calling around and, and 
after I was in the hospital and telling everybody, hey, um, I'm in Seattle. Like, really? I'm like, yeah, I was actually going to surprise you guys. Um, but I have a problem. I'm, I'm in the hospital and I just, I'm having a heart attack. And, uh, but you didn't try to cover that. No, I, at, at this point it was like, uh, when they said you're having a heart attack, uh, I, I'm continuing to having more and more difficulty breathing. My, my chest is getting tighter and tighter. Right. So I'm not really sure if I'm dying or not. So I started, uh, what were they telling you in the hospital? They just said, we need a cardiologist here as soon as okay. possible because you're having a heart attack. And and um, I ended up with pericarditis of the heart, which is the inflammation of the sac of the heart. Okay. And I um, I was calling people to tell them, hey, I'm sorry, I'm a fuck up. I was going to surprise you guys. And I got you guys gifts, um, but I think I'm dying. I'm not really sure what's going on here, uh, but I am having a heart attack. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to survive this, so I just want to tell you that I love you and I'm sorry that I'm such a fuck up. So I was calling everybody to apologize for being such a fuck up, right? And as nobody, a friend, yeah. And apologize, even though they weren't expecting you, so you could have really gotten off scot free. Yeah, I, but I also uh, might not have survived this. So I was calling to let everybody know uh, I love you right. and I'm sorry. And um, so um, the crazy thing was, after spending a week in the hospital, when I got out, they actually let me out on the day that my flight was going back to New York, and. I was in a car. I had six hours to kill, and I was like, maybe I'll go back downtown. Maybe I'll go back to the comedy club. And oh, fuck. I, you know what? If I just had a beer like right now, that would be, you know, it'd be great. A little cocaine. A li- like, not enough coke yeah. to have another heart attack? Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little. And that's when a voice finally came on in my head that just went, wow, you are really fucked up. So you didn't do it. And I didn't do it. And then I stayed sober, scared straight for a year and two weeks until I got in that relationship. And uh, and then got relapsed uh, after being sober for a year and two weeks. And then that just continued until the two-year anniversary of my heart attack. And then I stopped. Um, five, six years into being sober, um, I wasn't going to meetings that much. Uh-huh. And I just felt like I needed to like tighten up. So for the first time ever... By the way... This is kind of blasphemous, but I want to point out that I've never worked the steps. Okay. So five, six years into it, um, I decided to do 30 in 30 because uh-huh. I'd never done that before. And um, a friend of mine who had taken me to a meeting uh, started talking about praying mm-hmm. at the meeting. And I was like, on the way home, I was like, you're, so you, you, you pray and, and but you'd heard of that in meetings before or you just hadn't you tuned it out <laughs> well now that I'm, I'm attempting to do 30 meetings in 30 days I'm, I'm just looking for strength yeah and I'm just looking for like alright I need some strength uh, so I need to listen more I need to um, for some reason I'm feeling like I'm going to go out and get fucked up again and I'm hearing about all these things that I've never really paid attention to yeah one of them was this friend who said yeah you know I'm praying and I'm looking at him like it was a rare moment where he was actually driving me to the meeting because we live in the same neighborhood. So uh, on the way home, I said, so you, you like pray? And, and he goes, yeah. And I go, wow, that's, I go, don't take this the wrong way, but you're, you look, you're like a really cool guy. And I don't like picture you like being religious. And he goes, I'm not religious, I bet he said. He said uh, his, 
uh, exact words were, I'm down with Jesus, man. I'm cool. And I was like, really? And I was like, he's a total like rocker guy who plays in all these right. bands. And I was like, wow. So how do you, like, how does that work? And he goes, he goes, I just, he goes, it doesn't have to be like on the edge of the bed, like, you know, at the end of the night, like, thank you, God, you know, on your knees. Right? It can just be just a constant dialogue. Sometimes it can just be uh, thank you. It doesn't have to be I need something. Just be thank you. And I was like, wow, that's wow, that's crazy. And so that night I tried uh, praying for the first time. And I was like, all right, I don't know if you're real or not, but if you are, um, uh, you know, give me some strength. I, asked, I kept asking for two things every day while I was doing 30 meetings in 30 days. Give me the strength and uh, show me that you're real mm. every day. And I went to 30 meetings in 30 days praying for strength and a sign that you're real. On the 30th meeting, on the 30th day, still never worked the steps. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a speaker at this meeting. And for whatever reason, this guy I just feel connected mm -hmm. to. He is uh, using language and saying things about himself that I'm completely floored by I'm constantly going yes oh my god I'm just I am just he is uh, I'm just completely connected to this person I understand this person through and through and I'm I'm riveted by him and for 15 minutes every word that comes out of his mouth I'm just like absolutely and at right. the end of, at the end of his 15 minutes he says so uh, what am I saying um, basically what I'm saying is uh, if you uh, find yourself praying for the first time in your life and if you're asking God to give you a sign I am here to tell you oh, yeah. that I am your sign and that God sent me here to tell you that you need to start working the steps and I was like oh my god what the fuck and I started looking around the room like and no one in the room is reacting is reacting at all yeah. everyone's staring at their fingernails right right on their phone and I'm looking around like the f how did that and then after the meeting I walked up to the guy and I was like hey I really liked what you said um, during your thing and he was like oh thanks I go no I I've never prayed <laughs> I've never prayed before in my life I've never worked the steps I'm explaining to him and he goes oh wow oh wow and I go yeah that's and the crazy thing is um, I still haven't worked the steps that's the crazy thing I actually yeah that guy was hand delivered to you to yeah. give you a message that uh, you I wish I could tell you the guy there's a guy who is known for being a famous fuck up he is a world famous fuck up and we went to a meeting and he looked and I and I shared that at the meeting and this world famous fuck up looked at me and went, dude, you, you fucking, and you still haven't fucking done it, dude? And I was like, I know, I know. And he, he was, he thought that was the funniest thing. He's like, it couldn't have been more obvious. And you kept, like, you still haven't worked the yeah, steps. You, you basically need, like, like like some actual god to step in front yeah. of you and hand you a book and work the steps with you. Yeah. That's the only um, that's the only greater sign you could get. Yeah, but you I, did start praying. Uh, yeah, I did start praying, and I realized uh, that I need to take action. Um, but um, uh, the most important thing, obviously, is that I'm still clean and sober. And yeah. uh, but um, what do you think your resistance is? Why why do you think you won't do it? 
I think I go back and forth between feeling something uh, larger than myself and doubting it. Uh-huh. And, um, but isn't that what faith is? is? Is proceeding in the face of that doubt? Yeah. And um, uh, I think it's just, I think there's still that little bit of ego and pride that's left that, uh, that has stopped me from, from moving forward with that. But... Uh, I mean, it's interesting, and I appreciate you being so honest about it, because I feel like people are not. I feel like people just act like they are working the steps when they're not. Oh, but yeah. But they're, they're really there to make life easier. I mean, my I say hats off to you. If you can, you know, go nine years and not and not go crazy, you know, for me, I, I feel like take, you know, you take cocaine and alcohol and cigarettes and all that stuff. I mean, cigarettes were separate, but you take all of that away and, um, and I am left, um, with no relief with the way my brain works. Hmm. And so I need to, I need, I mean, I need to be writing gratitude lists. I need to be writing down resentments and getting different perspective. I need to be praying. I actually pray every day. Yeah. I don't know if I seemed cool before then. Yeah, you think you're <laughs> very cool, actually. But, yeah, no, I do it. Uh, you know, some days I, I forget or I skip, but... Um, and, and sometimes it feels really false. It feels hmm. like a joke, but I do it anyway. Sometimes I feel super connected. Sometimes I feel like I need it more, but... Um, but yeah, I mean, otherwise I, I feel rudderless, you know? And so it's only going to make your life better. That's all. That's all it will do. Yeah, I know that uh, it's... I actually heard somebody at a meeting say something about the steps. There's this one specific guy that I always see at this one specific meeting who said something that really resonated with me, and I just thought, wow, you know what? It's I think it's uh, time to to walk through the steps and and uh, and I think that's the guy I want to Oh look at uh, you. Contact. We're yeah. having a moment where yeah. you're Yeah, look at that. 9 years sober. I'm almost 9 years sober. I think by the time yeah. people hey, are hearing this. This I'll is be... not wood, but you yeah. can knock on it anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, you kind of you kind of got like, you know, like a little teary-eyed. So, yeah. you know, listeners don't know that. I think you're serious. I, I think you are. Yeah, I am. Uh, it's uh, getting over the um, uh, you know, the procrastination. Yeah. And going on and doing it, but, but yeah, that was that was a pretty heavy moment, and um, and I'm I'm just grateful. I'm just uh, especially when I go to meetings and I hear things that are being shared by people in meetings. I think, holy fuck! Like I have the world by the balls, and here I am. Like I spent so much time trying to kill myself. Yeah. So, um, and I wonder how much of not working the steps is continued self destructiveness. Ooh, you know wow. what I mean? Because what you think? Because this is what I wonder. You know, it's like it's not like you know we get struck by lightning and suddenly we're not self-destructive anymore. We were people who were actively trying to kill ourselves, and we actually have the same brains. Yeah. So I know my brain starts working against me. You know, it's just like you know this is a joke. What you're doing? You know what you're wow. doing? So, oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, wow. But I'm curious. I so I try to. I feel like I better do whatever I can do because I got my mind working against me, you know? Wow. That's but, a heavy one. Well, but but I'm curious what will happen. And, and okay, but wait, I feel like we haven't even... I, I, because we didn't do this in any correct order, I did want to go a little bit over your, your history just because it's so fascinating as you grew up with, with deaf parents. A whole deaf family. A whole deaf family, a deaf Everything. sister. Yeah, my mom, my dad, and my sister are all completely deaf. So, uh, growing up in that family, um, I couldn't learn how to speak. 
Yeah. From my own family. I learned how to speak by copying all the voices I heard on TV. And you watched a lot of TV? Mm-hmm. And everyone uh, where I grew up had a really thick accent, like from the Bronx. You yeah. Know? And I, uh, I always had this ability to mimic any kind of voice that I heard. Well, so... I mean, is it inappropriate? I mean, I've, see, I've seen and heard you do it now, and it blows my mind. I've never seen or heard a better impressionist. Really? Wow. Yes, yes. Very I mean, kind of you. Well, we were kind of veering off the topic of addiction, but, um, <laughs> but oh my God, like when you told that story, I mean, we already, I already heard you do it, this, the, the one, one that involved Alec Baldwin and Al Pacino. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if, like... Everyone I do an impression of, uh, people who know that those people will come out and tell me stories about them. And the stories are always, like, fucking insane, you know? Um, but I've had a lot of firsthand experiences of, of uh, dealing with those people, too. Like Tracy Morgan, who's just nuts. Yeah, I'll tell you. Here's my favorite Tracy Morgan story. I was doing a show at Caroline's. I'm opening for Dave Chappelle. This is, like, 2002. It's right before Chappelle's show came out. And this agent came up to me, and he was like, Hey, did you hear about that fucking party? And I go, did he hear about what? And he goes, you hear about that fucking party? And I go, what party? And he goes... Tracy Morgan had a party turned into a fucking orgy. And I go, turn into an orgy? And he goes, turn into a fucking orgy. Like we're sitting around with our, with our suits on and there's naked people fucking. And, and, and then Tracy Morgan comes around the corner and, and, and takes off all his clothes and he starts fucking everybody. And I go, what? When was this? And he goes, last Saturday night. Right at that moment, Tracy Morgan walks around the corner. I haven't seen Tracy probably a year. And I go, Tracy, I heard your party was fucked up, man. And Tracy rolled over and he was like, it was crazy. It was crazy. You know what's crazy about it? When you get off on my floor, you don't even hear nothing. You don't hear nothing at all. Then you start walking towards my apartment, and you still don't hear nothing. Then you knock on my door, and you still don't hear nothing, right? I open the door, and there's buttholes and toes everywhere. And I was like, <laughs> buttholes and toes? And he goes, yeah, some of them toes were in the buttholes. And I was like, wow, that's and that's Tracy Morgan for you. But uh Everyone who I do an impression of has tried to meet me at some point, and it's always led to uh, awkward moments. But um, um, but and everyone's always telling me stories. Like I do an impression of Gene Simmons, and people are always telling me stories about Gene, and and they say, "Hey, maybe you can use this story about Gene Simmons." And the stories are always so fucking horrifying. It's right. Like, I can't. Like there's one guy who told me a story about that he. Had been working for Kiss for like 15 years, I think, on and off for 15 years. And he goes, um, uh, he goes, one night while we were on tour, Gene actually banged Miss America while we were on tour. Mm -hmm. And it was the reigning Miss. This is a really horrible, like, horrible story, by the way. So Gene had sex with Miss America. Mm -hmm. Banged her. Mm -hmm. The reigning Miss America of that year. Mm -hmm. Big deal. And he had sex with her. The next night, Gene had sex with, according to this guy, a whore. A girl that even the guys in the road crew were like, holy shit, did you see that? That girl was a mess. The next night, they have a day off in a town that's so small that the band and the road crew have to stay in the same hotel. Mm -hmm. And this guy's telling me from his point of view, he said, I'm in the bar of the hotel and I'm having a beer. And I just happened to look over as I see Gene walking through the lobby of the hotel, dragging this enormous girl through the lobby with him. Mm -hmm. He gets in the elevator, which is pointed at the bar. And he hits his floor, folds his arm, and looks right at the guy in the bar as the elevator doors close. And he goes, oh, yeah. Bing! And the doors close. And the next day at sound check, he sees him and goes, Gene, did you, 
did you have sex with that girl last night? And Jin goes, of course. And he goes, Jin, didn't you have sex with Miss America the night? And he goes, Steve, Steve, listen to me, okay? You can't have filet mignon every night. Sometimes you got to go to McDonald's. And I was like, that is a fucked up story. That's a really, really messed up that's story. A really, yeah, that's a really, really fucked up story. There's someone who could use a meeting. Um, possibly a few. Yeah, possibly, possibly a few different yeah. varieties. But, uh, um, and you did that thing where you went on stern with him oh, and, yeah. and dressed up <laughs> as him. Well, there's two parts to it. There is one where he showed up and confronted me. Um, and that was awkward. Right. And he confronted me about my impression of him. But he seemed really playful. And then a month later, our producer, Gary Delavate, said, Hey, guys, you're not going to believe this. So Gene Simmons wants to come back again. And he wants to be here on a, Craig, on a day that Craig's not going to be around. And I was like, fuck, how funny would it be if I showed up anyway? And I actually dressed up in Gene Simmons makeup. Full Gene, yeah. kiss regalia. And I, cr- I crashed his interview. He was in the middle of his interview. <laughs> I walked in and said, I'm the real Gene Simmons. <laughs> and you are an imposter. And I can prove it. Because I got a bunch of cheap shit I want to sell you. And I had a bag full of crap that I had written Kiss logos on. Just knickknacks, pillows, right. little New Kids on the Block lunchbox. I scratched off New Kids on the Block and, uh. and wrote Kiss. And I tried to sell it to him. And um, He was not amused? Uh, I didn't think so, but he's had me over to his house. To, <laughs> it's weird, yeah. He was amused. Uh, I think so. Yeah, like I, uh, we filmed an episode of his TV show, Gene Simmons Family Jewels. And... Uh, and I was there dressed as him no but I he actually let me hang out in his office and I I took over for a day I I did a bunch of interviews as Gene (laughs) while while Gene slept in the other room and took a break (laughs) yeah it was really silly and when I was leaving that day um, the the crew that was driving me back to my car said oh uh, Gene wants you back in the house for a second he's calling for you and I was like fuck do you guys want to just go and we'll just like pretend like we didn't know and they go no he really he, he knows you're here, and he wants right. you back in the house. And I was like, fuck. So I walk back in the house, and I go, hey, Gene, what's going on? And he goes, he had me meet him in this one room that was adjacent to his little Kiss Museum. <laughs> and I walk into the room, and there's all these uh, Kiss products, all this Kiss merchandise. And when I walked in, Gene was standing there, and he goes, would you like some gifts to take home? And I go, oh, <laughs> sure. That's, wow. I, uh, yeah, that would be great. And he goes, you can have a T-shirt. Would you like some boxers? Or we have comic books. And I was like, oh my God. And then he cracked open a Kiss bag, a shopping bag with a Kiss logo on it. And we just started loading stuff up. And I was like, oh, this is great. And I remember seeing some, I have a musician buddy of mine um, who plays guitar in Pearl Jam. And he's a huge Kiss fan. And uh, I go, oh, um, and he he was having a baby. And Mm -hmm. I go, "Um, you have uh, baby onesies? Uh, My friend Mike is a huge Kiss fan, he plays guitar for Pearl Jam, and he goes, "Is that Mike McGrady? Is that who you?" And I go, "Yeah, Mike. He's he's a huge Kiss fan." And he goes, "You can have two. And I go, "Oh, <laughs> thank you, Gene." And I grabbed two and put them in there, and I gave them to Mike. And yeah, it was uh, it was a very uh, um, so far, people who I do impressions of have been amused by it, and they want to meet me. And you know, other guys who do impressions are really weird. Right and competitive. Oh, they are. Yeah, it's weird. Like, can we can we do can we compare Christopher Walken's? Piece? Yeah, and I really don't give a fuck. Like I was doing it for free cocaine most of my life. I didn't give a shit about like who's better. Like I just right. If it was good enough to get free cocaine, 
It was good enough for you. I won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I won. I mean, the Christopher Walken would get more fucked up the more, you know. Cocaine you did. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, you know, know, it got weird and kind of jacked up when you're. Was it weird to do impressions sober? No, because you have more clarity and you can zero in on stuff. Yeah. um, uh, it was actually really sad when I was getting fucked up because some because you probably uh, were not as good as your yeah I can't remember who you were I, yeah there's a couple moments that come to mind where I was so fucked up and uh, somebody who I admired or respected would come over and be like oh my god do you know Craig Craig do your impressions these people oh wait to hear this wait to hear this wait to and I would be so fucked up the impressions would come out so badly that the people would just stare at me and go. Well, good for you. Like, they right, just they had no right. idea what to say. They had right. no idea what I was trying to do. Right. Like, okay, if you say so, good for you, buddy. You yeah. Know? Oh, keep the dream alive. Holy shit, was that bad. Yeah, there were some really bad moments. But um, uh, but it's fun. I mean, I just, I would do it for my family, for my deaf family. I would do impressions that involved no voices. I would just do body language and just. And would they laugh? Yeah, I would always do like, uh, all right, here's Grandpa, uh, you know, going to the refrigerator. And I would just do an impression of Grandpa. And it was just body language. And then right. I, I still think about that when I do impressions of people. I think of them. I don't think of their voices. I think of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know. like you you actually manifest them. You're not... You're not yeah, like Adam person. Sandler is, uh, you know, he's really playful, you know. Right. And, uh, yeah, that's, you know, and uh, Al Pacino... He, uh, that's a guy. He's got a lot of soul. Look you right through the fucking eyes. Ooh, uh, or uh, Tom Arnold is really intense, and I like fat women and cocaine, and uh, you know, and I always think of them. Yeah. When I think of yeah, the and it's too bad people can't see you because when you were just doing Pacino, like you actually <laughs> looked like him. you actually looked like him. Um, well, Craig, this has been delightful, and this whole thing has worked this whole time here. We thought that the recording was not going to work. It was an act of God. It was more proof. I mean, what kind of proof do you need? I know. Right? I, You know what? I, uh, I'm grateful, and uh, I'm just always floored that, uh, that I have as many... Uh, I don't know why. I'm always so cognizant every time I pay for a fucking meal how lucky I am to be alive and be sober. I'm just always cognizant of it. So wait, you get it when you pay for a meal? That's when it hits you? Yeah, well, the paying for a meal thing is about being funny enough to pay for a meal. Like, that still blows my mind. Yeah. And for whatever reason, and I, I I haven't had a real job in 13 years, I still trip out on the fact that I can take you out to dinner right. and pay for the meal. Like, right. I love that I can do that for you. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, I love that I can do that for my mom. We never ate at nice restaurants right. uh, when I was growing up. And I love that I can take her out, uh, my sister and friends. And uh, But yeah, I, I remember really early on, like, having money and going, holy shit, look how funny I am. Like, I'm this funny. Like, I can right. actually pay for this meal. So that's a, that's a pretty cool thing. And... Um, if you are uh, killing yourself and you can somehow get in front of yourself and realize, oh, uh, my brain doesn't work normally. I'm actually uh, a danger to myself. And you can actually get in front of yourself and start changing some of those behaviors and start becoming aware of what you're doing to kill yourself. You are 
lucky if yeah. you can turn that around so yeah yeah <laughs> that's very well said and i and i love that you feel like i mean like that talk about even though you're not working the steps talk about a way of staying in gratitude to be astounded at the fact that you're you are you know supporting yourself with what you love rather than doing what I feel, you know, always trips me up. It's like, why am I not here? Why do I have to be here? I want to be there. I know. I know. People are ridiculous. I They're know. really fucking stupid. I know. And people are constantly caught up in... Uh, we're Everyone listening to this, mm-hmm. and you and I, mm-hmm. are all going to be dead. Mm-hmm. We're all, we all have that in common. Yeah. We are, at some point, going to be completely forgotten. Right. Every single one of us. Right. Every day here, there's there's very there's nothing that is that big that should be fucking up your day. I know nothing is that big. In fact, um, I was in Atlanta. I was really floored by this. I was in Atlanta um, three or four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I time my shows around the country to match up with uh, concerts and sporting okay. events. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I am one of like twelve uh, Seahawks fans on the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot more now, but um, that's a team. That's a football. Team. <laughs> that's a football team mm-hmm. that uh, I've been a diehard fan of mm-hmm. for twenty years. So I booked a, a bunch of media appearances in Atlanta mm-hmm. to be there when the team was in Atlanta. And if you hand me my phone, I want to show you. Uh, this is the um, house that. Um, I saw when I was this in Atlanta. This is not going to mean anything to the listeners. I know, but I'm going to tell you what it says. But I saw this on the front of a house um, when I was driving around. There's a house that just has this giant oh, sign. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And it's just a giant sign on the side of a house in Atlanta that just says, everything will be okay. And they spell okay the way you do in texts. They, yep. don't, they don't bother with the A-Y. They're yeah. just like, okay, that's all yeah. right. Oh, I love that. That actually changed how I felt. I have a magnet on my fridge that says everything will be okay in the end if it's not if it's not okay it's not the end. Wow. And and I it's funny because I remember when I got it I was like oh my friend would really needs that I should give this to her and I was like no I need that <laughs> I need a friend who needs to to be reminded of that you know. Um, but you know, it's you know, I do think you know, not to be morbid, it's like alcoholism is a disease that wants you dead. If it can't get you dead, it'll settle for miserable. You know, if drunk. it can't get you dead, it'll settle for drunk. If it can't get you drunk, it'll settle for miserable. And so, I think it takes a certain vigilance to fight that off. Yeah, I'm really uh, lucky that I've always been a, a positive person yeah. my whole life to begin with, and I've always looked at. Um, I think I'm a realist in that everything's going to be okay. Most people who say that they're a realist think that everything's going to be shitty. They are like, super negative. Yeah, oh, it's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I'm a realist. It's like, yeah, but no, you're, you're kind of dumb you're because you're getting in your own way. Like, life is not that bad. Life is never, ever, ever that bad. And uh, it always takes getting kicked right in the fucking mouth really hard for you to just, like, stop and, and just go, whoa. Holy shit! And you look around and you go, "Wow! I can't even believe how much I." There's people here who care about me that I don't. I don't. That I just shit on. And then there's there's things that I want to do that I you know. But I care so much about these things that aren't important. It's it's the harder you get kicked in the mouth, the more of an opportunity you have to be able to make a change. And um, yeah. But it's only when you know death comes to you. That you suddenly become completely aware and zeroed in on what's important. And um, 
Maybe some of us don't have enough death in our life to stay. You don't mean literally death. You mean uh, people around us dying. Well, I mean that's not the only thing that gets people. Or pain. Well, yeah. Well, pain. well, tragedy of any kind. Yeah. Or pain. Uh, yeah, and I'm I'm a huge fan of tragedy because yeah. of what it does to yeah affect you and make uh, changes in your life. Whether it's losing a girlfriend that you really care about. Uh, a significant other that you really care about or uh, or losing uh, someone in your life who you really loved um, or who had a big part of your life. Um, right. You know, people usually don't make changes. Uh, and sometimes people forget, too, which is ridiculous. Forget. Uh, what's important. And they forget about the pain that they had. Absolutely. You know, and that kind of becomes a faded memory. But fuck, I am like... All the time, just thinking like I just get such, uh, and this is not relatable. I get this, but I'm always in such uh, joy of such little things uh, in life. Like just if I can get some friends together to go bowling, or I'm taking some friends tonight to go out to dinner uh, at our, one of our favorite restaurants. Um, chocolate milk. I fucking love chocolate, chocolate milk. milk is good. I haven't had a Fuck long time. Yeah. I, yeah. I am as intense about chocolate milk as I was like at two o'clock in the morning. It'll hit me. I'll be in a hotel room somewhere and I'll just be like, fuck, I need some chocolate milk. I need like, yeah. and it has to be good chocolate milk. I don't want shitty chocolate. I can't go to 7-Eleven and get like that shit chocolate milk like Nesquik. I need to go to a... Like Jacques Torres? Like where do you go? No, I need a, I need dairy. I need to go to a supermarket oh. or a Walmart. Yeah. And I need chocolate milk, and and there's times when I've walked out of my hotel rooms uh, for the week, and I'm checking out, and I'll see the maid like like two doors down, and I'll go, oh fuck, and I'll look inside the room, and I'll, it looks like I had a party for eight year olds. There's all these empty like <laughs> chocolate milk containers in my room, and I'm like, shit, this looks weird. But that's better than having blood all over the room. <laughs> I, think like, it's, I think it is. And I think... rolled up bills, and you know, yeah, and having to get a, a, a hand towel and clean off all the surfaces. Oh, yeah. Ew, ew, ew. Well, Craig, you are you are a delight. I thank you so much for coming in here to do this and um, check us out. Check us out, and and I can say because when people hear this, it will be true. Congratulations on your anniversary slash birthday, and you too uh, for having as much time as you have under your belt. And uh, what a great thing! I hope that um, I hope that someone who's not sober and listening to this and is like has questions and. Um, uh, feels as empty as I did mm. uh, does something to uh, help himself and I, I hope that if there's any questions in your mind um, that maybe you're hurting yourself that um, that you love yourself enough to um, uh, to not care about what other people think about you so there you go yeah and you, and that you believe and that you that you get that there's a different way to be yeah because it's really 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 hard to believe that when you don't know it yeah for sure yeah, and it's but you know that. I mean, we all have this weird thing where we look back at when we were kids and you think like, wow, I used to like really enjoy things when I was a kid and I never did drugs. What how do I get back to that? Yeah. And um I didn't know that though at the time. I mean, it's easy just uh well you get drugs out of your life. Yeah. And uh don't become a Republican and you know, <laughs> enjoy yourself. That's not endorsed. Um, oh, I'm no, sorry. No, that, Wait, you I, said that. I'm totally down with that. That's Tracy Morgan. That's crazy. <laughs> I love white people. This is crazy. He was good, right? He was worth waiting for, even though you didn't know you were waiting for him. That was Craig Gass, comedian, impressionist, actor, sober guy. Yeah.